0: Hey, welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening today. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. I hope that this podcast is just one of the ways that you connect to God's presence this week. You know, we've been spending the entire summer studying the book of Psalms. Spending this time in one book of the Bible together has been a powerful way to dig deeper into God's Word. In Psalm 84, the psalmist describes the amazing feeling of being in the presence of God. They state that they would rather spend one day in God's courts than spend a thousand days elsewhere. So for us, the question is, how do we develop this sort of passion for God's presence? In week 10 of our Psalm study, Pastor Dave Brown explores this question and shares insights from Psalm 84. So here is week 10 of Psalms from Pastor Dave Brown.
1: Last week, Our care pastor, Dr. Joe Scruggs, shared one of the best sermons I have ever heard. So if you missed it last week, I'm going to invite you to go back into our archives online and and go check it out, take a look. But as I was walking out last week, I had someone come up to me and told me, Joe did such an amazing job. I feel so bad for whoever has to preach next week. And I said, Yeah, me too. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, then they said, So who is going to preach next week? And with as much confidence as I could muster, I, I, I said, Well, well, I am. <laughs> and they said, Oh Dave, I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, well, thanks a lot. Uh, all joking aside, God spoke powerfully through our care pastor Joe Scruggs last week. And I am confident that he wants to speak powerfully to us this morning as well as he delights to speak through his spoken word. And this morning we're going to be delving into Psalm 84. So if you would turn there with me in your Bible or your fancy Bible app. And we're going to do our best to let the word of God breathe this morning and to listen in closely to what he would like to communicate to us. Psalm 88, or Psalm Psalm 84, I'm sorry, has some of the most famous lines in all of Scripture. And and many of you will recognize these lines as we read through them. And this psalm is attributed to the sons of Korah, who 1 Chronicles 9 tells us were the gatekeepers to the temple. So they, they were at the temple every day, opening doors for people, letting people in, watching people worship. And they got a first row seat, to being around God's presence. And so that reflection is significant to us, and it can help us frame up kind of what the psalmist is talking about here. I'm going to read the, the psalm for us. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself. Where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Bacah, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. After reading this psalm in preparation for this morning, two questions jumped to mind. And if you know me, I'm kind of a question asker, and that's that's particularly true when I'm reading through God's Word. And these two questions are, uh, how can I develop this type of passion for God's presence? It's clear that the author, despite being in front of the temple door every day, day after day after day after day, it's literally his job. This does not become mundane for him. He's delighted to be there. He counts it as a blessing to be in God's presence. How do I have that type of passion for being in the presence of God? And the second question that popped into my mind is, how do I experience this type of presence? The temple no longer exists, and so this is the gatekeeper to the temple. And so, how do do I experience God's presence in this type of a tangible reality? And thankfully, the psalmist goes and takes us on a journey for answering those questions. The key to grappling with these questions are in the three promises that the psalmist makes. And these promises are this. Blessed are those who dwell in God's house. Blessed are those whose strength is in God. And blessed are those who trust in God. These blessings are key to developing this passionate desire for being in God's presence. And they kind of have a flow to them. It's almost as if the psalmist is setting this up in such a way of, here this is what I'm experiencing every day in the first blessing, and then in the next two blessings he's saying, let me take you on that journey. This is where I am in the first blessing. Through these next two blessings, help me let, get you to where, where I am. And that's, that's the flow of this psalm. So let's start with the first blessing. Blessed are those who dwell in God's house. Remember, a few moments ago, we said that the sons of Korah were the gatekeepers, and this author was coming day after day after day, and he has developed this passion being in God's presence. It was not a mundane task to come to work every day. He loved it. There was literally no place on earth that this man would rather be than in God's presence. He says this in verse 1 and 2, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out to you, the living God. And that's where I developed my first question this passionate pursuit of the psalmist. How do I have that deep within my heart? And it reminds me of when I was first started dating my wife, Brandy. On one of our earlier dates, we were watching a movie together, and we we started to hold hands. Well, the building that we were in on campus had boiler heat. The heat was either on or it was off. And it was winter, so it was on. It was really warm. Within a couple of minutes, our hands got pretty sweaty. Now, a normal person would let go, you know, wipe their hands off because it's kind of getting gross. Apparently, I'm not that normal (laughs) Uh, because I just held on to my wife's hand. There was something beautiful in that moment that I wanted to capture, and for whatever reason, I felt like if I let go of her hand, I was going to lose that moment. She must have felt that way too because she didn't like push my hand away either and and wipe off all the sweat. So we just sat there, sweaty palms and all, for about another hour and a half as we were clinging to something beautiful that this moment that we just wanted to capture. And I think about this psalmist who's getting to experience God every day at such a level where he's just holding on to God. I don't ever want to let go. How can I cling even harder to the presence of God? And he looks up and he sees a sparrow making a nest in the eaves of the temple going, if I could just be that sparrow and just be here all day, all night, wouldn't that be beautiful? So it reminds me of that moment when we're, when we're chasing and pursuing the one that has captured our heart and captured our affections. It's clear God is that person for this psalmist that leads us to our second blessing blessed are those whose strength is in god verse five says this blessed are those whose strength are in you and the second part says whose heart is set on a pilgrimage this is where the psalmist is inviting us on a journey this is where he's saying look this is what i experience The presence of God in this amazing, tangible way. Let me take you on this pilgrimage that I've already gone on. Won't you journey with me? And here's where we discover the first step in developing a passion for God's presence. Developing a desire for it. Developing a desire for it. When I was little, just like countless other little boys, I had a dream of playing college baseball. I wanted it so bad. Well, any day that I had to put in a little bit more training or I had to exercise a little bit harder or if I had to work on the fundamentals more and I didn't want to and I would complain to my dad, my dad would have this question for me. And it used to drive me crazy. It would gnaw at me. He would ask, Dave, how badly do you want it? How badly do you want this thing? Are you willing to put in the extra time for it? Well, church, I have a question for you this morning. How badly do you desire God's presence? How much do you want it? Are you willing to go on a journey in order to be within the presence of the Almighty God? Because that is what the psalmist is offering us. The psalmist has been on this pilgrimage before us and he's inviting us to go along but before we get too eager before we just jump in with both feet and say yes he's saying let me describe to you what this journey's going to be like and he offers this strange yet powerful image for what the journey will be like in verse six he says as they pass through the valley of bachah they make it a place of springs what a weird statement me being the questionative person I am, I started asking questions. Well, what is the Valley of Baca? Unfortunately, I found the answer to that question. Uh, I wasn't that excited as I was doing a little bit more research. In Hebrew, the word Baka means balsam tree. Well, that seems innocent enough. But back then, a balsam tree only grew in some of the various, very, very dry places. Like, think about a desert, almost like a cactus Type of tree. Well, my wife and I got to experience this type of place about three weeks ago or so. We were in the middle of the Mojave Desert and we were going on a lower key hike at a place, I kid you not, it was called the Valley of Fire. It was in the middle of the Mojave Desert in the middle of summer. It's aptly named. 120 degrees, so we couldn't walk far. We couldn't do very much. But my wife is a giant picture taker. She loves to take pictures and remember our experiences. And I've always found that just so frustrating. Uh, I just don't like pictures. I don't like being taken. I don't like my picture being taken. Well, as I was on the top of a rock waiting for what felt like a long time, the wind would hit me. And it was like somebody turned a hairdryer on in my face. The wind was not calming. It was not soothing. It didn't provide relief. It actually made it worse. So that's kind of the image That is going on with the valley of Bacchah. That's the type of place we're talking about. But then the psalmist amplifies it a little bit. Baca is the same type. It sounds like the same word in Hebrew for crying. And the reason why they named the tree this is because the balsam tree would weep out a sap out uh, out, out of its bark that looked like it was crying. And so what we could more aptly call this, if we were to translate it into English, would be the valley of weeping and thinking of a very dry desert place of the soul with the valley of weeping. That's the imagery that is going on here that the psalmist is evoking in us. And then I asked another stupid question. It doesn't say that God makes it flourish with water. It says that they do the journeyers do. So how on earth is it that the journeyers pour out this water on this very dry place? Well, through their tears. It's a place that's very much like the dark night of the soul that Dr. Joe Scruggs talked about us last week. It's the place where we have been poured completely out where difficult circumstances seem to have squeezed every bit of the last drop of life out of us. The place where our strength runs out and we don't have any more left to offer. And that's the exact place where the pilgrimage can begin. The pilgrimage doesn't happen and it doesn't start when life gets difficult. Life gets difficult. That's just a process of being human we all go through things the pilgrimage is what happens when we've run out when life has pushed us too far where do we turn then what happens then that's where the journey begins and that's where we have to start asking ourselves where are we headed what are we searching for when we've run out where to whom are we running in that moment the pilgrimage is not the difficulties of life Everyone has those. In verse 7, the psalmist tells us they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. In other words, the pilgrimage is this, if we'll take it. When our strength runs out, when we've come to our very end, when we have nothing else left to give, will we transition to God's strength? Or are we running somewhere else? Blessed is the one whose strength is in the Lord, who goes from their strength to to God's strength. So I was listening to K-Love Radio. That's about the only thing that I listen to uh, in my car. And a new song came on from an author or from a writer called Ryan Stevenson. And it's, the title of the song is When We Fall Apart. If you haven't heard it, you should go and listen to it. In the song, he says this, It's okay to cry. It's okay to fall apart. You don't have to try to be strong when you are not. But don't ever fight your tears because there is freedom in every drop. Sometimes the only way to heal a broken heart is when we fall apart. He's describing the transition from going from our strength to God's strength. When we reach our brokenness, when we reach the level where we literally have nothing else to give and we're crying out, the transition from our strength. To God's strength is when we're not just crying out, but we're crying out to God. When we're asking him to come and rescue us. When we're taking our next step in his strength and not our strength. This transition can happen as simply as saying a little prayer. When we've reached the end of our rope, Lord Jesus, help me. And that's not to say that this is going to be easy from now on, that doesn't mean that there won't be more pain, and it doesn't mean that we won't question if we can make it. The strength comes moment by moment, obstacle by obstacle, day by day, giving us enough grace, enough for what we need for that moment. And then years later, as we look back and survey what happened to us, we'll see God's faithfulness in every step. Which leads us to the third blessing, developing trust. It says, blessed are those who trust in God. Trust is something that is earned over time. When we met our spouse or we met our best friend, we did not share with them this intense deepness of vulnerability. That depth occurs over time. As we develop trust, as we give them a little bit and they are faithful with the little bit that we give them, as they have demonstrated to us that they are indeed trustworthy, we give them more. The same goes with God. In the beginning of our relationship with him, it can be scary to trust him completely. What if he lets us down? What if he's not as loving as My friends have told me about. What if he's not as powerful as his words say? But over time, during those deep, dark nights of this soul, as we work to transition from our strength into God's strength, he will earn our trust. He will be faithful with each step. When we think we can't make it anymore and we take the next step in faith for the journey. God is there and he empowers us. We certainly see that the psalmist, that God has earned the trust of the psalmist. The psalmist, through this entire psalm, offers nine different intimate words of who God is. And we're going to go through those. He calls him first Yahweh, which is like saying the promise keeper. He says in verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord. The name in all caps here is the Hebrew word Yahweh. This is the name God reveals to Moses at the burning bush. I am who I am. It's the covenant name of God. In other words, it's saying, I am the promise-keeping God. If you've ever been let down by someone, if they've ever broken the promise to you, God is telling you, I am not that person. I am not that God, I keep my promises, I am faithful, I've been faithful since the beginning, I will be faithful at the end. The psalmist is saying, this God you can trust. Also in verse 1, it says, Yahweh Almighty. If we translated Almighty literally, it would read Yahweh of hosts, or Yahweh of armies. By using this name, the psalmist is telling us that there's nothing we can go through that God is not strong enough to handle. He is the commander of armies. He is the Almighty. In verse 3, he cries out to the living God. Our God is alive. Our God has emotions. He sees and knows what we are going through. He has empathy and compassion for us in our situation. He cares deeply the next two are beautiful. He calls him my king. Because of God's faithfulness, power, and compassion, there's no other authority on earth that this psalmist will listen to. Nothing can compare. So the author confidently proclaims, you are my king. In the same way, he says, you are my God. Because of who God is, it's inconceivable to the psalmist to worship anything else. To worship money or clothes or power or affluence. Only God can compare. Only God is worthy to be praised, to be the centering force of our life. The psalmist said, you are my God. In verse 11, we are told that God is like the sun in the sky. God is a sun in the darkness, which gives light. The sun gives light in the darkness. It sustains all life. Without the sun, we wouldn't exist. Without God, we wouldn't exist. He is the sustainer of all things. He is our light in the darkness. Church, I don't know about you, but this gets me excited. In verse 11, we're told that God is our shield. In other words, he's our protector. He's the shelter from the storm, the one who would lay down his very own life for my sake, to save me. Moreover, in verse 11, we discover that God pours out his favor upon us. Another way to say that is God is the grace giver. He gives us things that we just do not deserve. In particular, a salvation from the warrants of sin and death through the life, death, and resurrection of his Son, Jesus Christ. And finally, friends, we find that he bestows honor upon us. In other words, he shares with us his very own glory. He is the glory maker. He has pulled us out of the pit of despair. He has adopted us as his very own children, co-heirs, with Christ making us a new creation, literally handing off his glory to us. Friends, I don't know about you, but the psalmist has won me over. He's developed in me a passion for God's presence. I feel like I can echo with him, verse two, my soul yearns, even faints for the court's of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out to you, the living God. Perhaps that's you too. Maybe this morning you've developed a newfound passion for the presence of God like you've never felt before. Perhaps his spirit has rekindled in you a love that you once had but has grown dim. And you're wondering where might you go to experience god's presence well here's the good news but also a hard truth although we must develop a passion for god's presence he has always had a passion for ours say that again although we have to develop a passion for god's presence he has always had a passion for ours. Since the very beginning, he says, I will be Emmanuel, God with you. I will go on the journey of life with you if you will but let me. This morning, God wants to be your promise keeper. He wants to command his armies on your behalf. He's alive because he loved you too much to stay in the grave he wants to be your king he wants to be your god he wants to provide light in the darkness he wants to offer a shield of protection he wants to give you his grace and his glory will you let him this morning will you journey along with Emmanuel His presence is never left. It's always there. Will We get a greater awareness of His presence in our day to day. If you've said yes to that for any reason, maybe for the first time you want to pursue God's presence in your life, maybe you recognize that you're just not where you want to be in your relationship with Him. If either of those are the case, I'm going to invite you to say a prayer softly at your seat with me this morning. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come live in my heart so I can experience your presence day by day. Give me a greater awareness that you're always with me. Build up in me a passion for being with you so that I may never stray from your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've said that prayer, for either reason this morning, I invite you to text the word Jesus to 918-376-3438 to let us know how we might journey alongside you as you embark this journey of passionately pursuing God's presence. And like any other relationship know that this is just the start of the journey it's not the end so we have to spend time with him we have to get familiar with his word his love letters for us we have to start reading it we have to start praying developing passionate prayer life and fellowshipping with one another and fellowshipping with him and we have the chance to do that this morning through communion So I'm I'm going to walk us through communion for this morning. I hope you have received the elements. Uh, After I pray for us, feel free to take them as the worship team leads you through a song. But these basic elements of bread and juice bond us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. But even more than that, they bind us to Christ himself. And in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul told us that The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This morning, I invite you to intentionally enter God's presence. Let me pray for us and our worship team will lead us. Heavenly Father, there are so many distractions in life. So many things that want to wedge between us and you. Help us to separate those things out, Lord. There is nothing more important on this earth than being with you. Lord, help us to prioritize that relationship above all other things because only then can everything else fall into proper alignment. Only then can we be living a life of fulfillment. Lord, meet us now in this space. As we partake of these elements, may they join us closer to you in a mysterious and wonderful way. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at redeemertulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.